Well, as we're in this series, Insignificant, I'm very excited to introduce a guest that we have. His name is David Grant. And uh, for many, some of you know that Noel and I spent three months in Calcutta, India. And uh, we saw the impact that David Grant, this missionary, has had all over India and honestly all over the world. He runs a ministry that's called Project Rescue that has rescued thousands upon thousands upon thousands of girls out of human trafficking. Uh, I know that this is something that is very popular right now, human trafficking, to try to stop. But David Grant has been doing it for over 40 years, trying to stop this modern-day slavery. He's on the forefront of this, and he's got a wonderful ministry. So if you could please give it up for Pastor David Grant. Thank you, and good evening. It was 42 years ago I landed in Calcutta. My, and I think that I'm just a young fella. There were 9 million Bangladeshi refugees in the city of Calcutta the day I landed. The Bangladesh Civil War was in full swing. Between Bangladesh and Pakistan, over a million Bangladeshi people had been killed. A half a million Bangladeshi women raped. Nine million refugees fled out of Bangladesh into Calcutta, which is only 35 miles away. I landed in a city where our church was feeding 100,000 children a day. Missionary Mark Buntain took me into his home. I had come to preach Six months of evangelistic meetings with him. From the moment I landed, something powerful burned in my spirit. And I want to go back to a scripture that I want you to use tonight. Not only for evangelism, missions, but for every aspect of your life. Your marriage your family, your ministry, everything about you and I is tied into Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And if you want to look in your scripture that you carry with you, it's a wonderful thing to underline and highlight. But we're going to put it on the screen. Luke six forty-five. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I landed in Calcutta because of a full heart. I had been planning to go there since I was 12 years old. My heart was full of Calcutta. India before I ever arrived in the city. What you're storing up in your heart tonight will be what you will do for the rest of your life. What you're storing up right now in terms of praise, prayer, priorities, this is who we are. What we store up, what we treasure, what we Read, look, listen, and make a part of us is 
who we become. The good person, out of the good stored up in their heart, brings forth good things. And the evil person, out of the evil, and I don't believe the evil person probably intended to be evil, but when you store up evil things, you become what you store up. For the evil person out of the evil stored up in his heart brings forth evil things because you can only give out what you've got. You can only give out who you are. You can only give out what you have become. For out of the abundance of the heart is the words of our mouth. I am a pastor's son from Pensacola, Florida. I grew up going to church and getting saved. Every Sunday, my dad was one of those old-fashioned preachers who preached against everything. What could we do? Nothing. Where could we go? Nowhere. Where do we spend our time? Church! My dad was a powerful, wonderful man, great preacher, great lover of people, but he was very concerned about evil influences. We didn't have a television. Television, he said, is like a commode sitting in your living room, flushing sewage in the minds of your children. So we had to go to the deacon's house to watch TV. So when the kids got together to play games, the game we knew was church, and I was the preacher. Our cat died, and we decided to have a funeral. I preached that cat right into heaven. It was a wonderful funeral. It was so good. We dug him up the next day and did it all over again. The third day we dug him up, Mama caught us. She said, bury that cat and leave him in peace. We cried because we heard a cat had nine lives. And our cat only got three funerals. Dad had a huge garden over an acre. And he bought a dozen chickens and put them out in the middle of that garden. Sunday night at our church, we had a water baptismal service. On Monday, my brother, who was always leading me astray, said the chickens aren't going to heaven. They haven't been baptized. I said, I will baptize the chickens. We couldn't find water, but Dad had this big container of gasoline beside the house. Dad came home and all the chickens was laid out dead. He shouted, who killed the chickens? I said, we didn't kill them. We baptized them, and God took them to heaven. He said, but did you have to baptize them in gasoline? But that was my childhood. What you store up in your childhood comes out in your adulthood. Memorial Day. We honor those, not only in the military, but those who've invested in our nation. It's a Memorial Day. And I want just to take a moment, and both of my brothers We're helicopter pilots in Vietnam. That shows the dating of our age, some of us. I spent time in Vietnam ministering to the military, flying from base to base and preaching in Quonset huts and chapels. In later years, my nephew has just come back from being a pilot in Afghanistan for the last 12 months. I can go through my brothers, my nephews, and all that's part of that. But I want to talk real fast about the heritage that we grew up with. My 
The story I want to tell you is, I call it the story of Barbara Hudson, a country girl who married a violent, abusive man, had six children, and died. The oldest son was 11 years old when she died. His name was Curtis. She called this 11-year-old boy to her bedside and said, Curtis, I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I have prayed that all six of my children, whom I will not raise, but that they will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and serve him. And you as the oldest son, I have prayed that God would use you to lead the entire family to Jesus Christ. And she died. Curtis turned 14 in a very violent home. He left home at 14 to make his own way in life. At 17, he walked into a church and found Christ as his Savior, was filled with the Spirit and called into the ministry. He went back to visit his father to tell him what had happened to him. His father looked at him and said, I'd rather see you dead than preaching and asked, Threw him out of the house. He went back to that pastor of that church and said, what do I do? This pastor looked at a 17-year-old boy and said, well, Curtis, it's Wednesday night. We have a prayer meeting and you're preaching. That was the beginning of his life of ministry. He pastored for 70 years. He saw all five of his brothers and sisters come to Christ. He saw his father come to Christ at 72 years of age. And out of those six children of Barbara Hudson, 18 of their children became ministers and missionaries. And out of those grandchildren, now there are 12 great-grandchildren of Barbara Hudson who are now missionaries. Barbara Hudson was my grandmother. That 11-year-old boy, Curtis, was my father who died two years ago at the age of 90. And I stood at his funeral along with Ministers and missionaries from all over the world who had come out of a family that should have been cursed, violence, domestic abuse, all that you could imagine in dark things. That was the background. But God broke through. I am convinced because of the prayers of Barbara Hudson. As I trace back the history of the family, and I trace back into the early years of violence, and then the later years of ministry and blessing, and now college vice presidents, educators, leaders,
pastors of churches of thousands of people out of a family that had no future except God broke through and began to store up in the children what was in the mother and later into the grandchildren and now into the great-grandchildren. And I am one of Barbara Hudson's grandchildren who became a missionary at the age of 22 and have spent the last 42 years in India. And now our daughters and our son-in-laws are now involved in missions. Barbara Hudson died 82 years ago. I never knew her, obviously, but her influence and the treasure on this Memorial Day weekend of what that woman's prayers did bless me today. And tonight, at Life Church, God is wanting to start a new Memorial Day. Not one of just the past, but of the present and the future. God wants to look in the hearts of every family in this room and say, your family will be blessed. Your children will be a blessing. Your grandchildren will bless the nations of the world. When I landed in Calcutta, it wasn't a 22-year-old kid that was going over for a trip. I was going because something had been stored up in my heart from childhood, through church, through missions, through the years at Southeastern Bible College in Lakeland, Florida. Something had happened that filled my heart to overflowing. And I went to Calcutta 42 years ago to let that overflow begin to flow out. And minister, there was a refugee family that lived in an abandoned sewer pipe just outside of where we were staying in Calcutta. Every morning, and I was to go to speak of the chapel and go to the feeding program at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'd walk by this family living in this sewer pipe. Man, woman, little five-year-old girl, little two-year-old boy. The little five-year-old girl wore a burlap sack. I never saw her wear anything else. She had no shoes, just a burlap sack. The little two-year-old boy wore nothing. Every morning I would walk by on my way to the feeding program. And the little boy and girl be standing at the edge of the pipe. Parents already gone looking for food. And every morning as I would walk by, they would smile and wave. And I would smile and wave back. Morning after morning, this happened. And I was studying Bengali to learn the language. And one morning, the little girl became very bold and stepped over to the sidewalk and grabbed my pants leg. And this tiny little Bangladeshi refugee girl said, Mr., we're hungry. Can you help us? I replied back in my few words of Bengali. Egg minute in just a moment. I'll be back. Down to the feeding program. I said, give me the biggest plate of food you got. Back to that sewer pipe. I handed that little five-year-old girl a plate full of food. She smiled, nodded to her brother to go inside, sat him down and began to feed him. Marks of hunger on her face. But she didn't put a bite of food in her mouth for 10 minutes while she fed that little boy. When he had eaten all he wanted and he finished, he handed back the plate and she finished what was left. 
And I stood at the end of that sewer pipe in Calcutta, India, as a 22-year-old young man just arrived in India. Tears running down my face. I wanted to say, little refugee, Bangladeshi girl, you live in a sewer pipe. You wear a burlap sack. I've never seen a dress. You have no shoes. But you know more about giving than anybody I think I've ever met. You would not eat until you fed your baby brother first. And I think you would have given him everything if he had wanted it. And I said, I stand on this street in Calcutta and vow to God that I will never again feed myself first. For the rest of my life, somebody else will eat first. From this moment, I will be like you. I will eat second. I will feed somebody else before I feed myself. Ten years later, I married. Now God gave us two daughters. And now our daughters are 30 and 27 and are married. And we've never missed a meal. But from that day to this, the first check that we write is always to feed children who are hungry. And God always takes care of us. But what are you storing up in your heart tonight? My prayer is that this verse will speak to your heart. The good person out of the good stored up in their heart brings forth good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And not only does the mouth speak, but out of the abundance of the heart, the hand acts. I'm concerned about two things in this scripture. One, the words of our mouth are extremely important. But also the work of our hands is extremely important. Growing up as a pastor's son, I knew none of the violence of my father's childhood. But I found the violence when I got to India. In the years in India, I had the joy of helping to start a Teen Challenge drug rehab center in the slums of Bombay, India. And as our workers fanned out across that city, they walked in the red light district and found 100,000 girls that had been trafficked out of the mountains of Nepal, out of Bangladesh, and sold to the brothels of Bombay. 12, 13, 14, some younger than that. Raped, beaten, broken in spirit, shattered dreams and lives. A hundred thousand girls. Our Teen Challenge staff begin to have street meetings and go into the try to connect with the this life of broken girls. Many of those young women gave their heart to Christ. And they said to our workers, we cannot leave this place. We are slaves. They would kill us if we left. But would you take our daughters who have been born to us in the brothel to a place of safety? The first day that our, our staff began to minister to them, they gave us 37 little girls. And we started the first home of hope in Bombay, a night shelter 
that turned into 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then a medical clinic. And then a church. We have a church in the red light district of Bombay where hundreds of young women come to that church and find a new life in Christ Jesus. New life. New life. A new beginning. A fresh beginning. Rescue is not a matter of a raid. Rescue is a matter of a relationship. It's a matter of rebuilding in a girl the willingness to stand up for herself and say, no, I will no longer be a slave. Cut my throat. Do what you want. But I'm no longer. And once that will is strengthened, once that hold is broken, it's not a matter of outside influence. It's an internal strength that begins to come in that person. You can minister to a domestic violence victim, but as long as they're unwilling to stand up and for God to bring healing and strength to their will to say, I will stand for myself even at the risk of my life. Only then does rescue take place. It is not just a matter of moving a person from one place to the other. It's a matter of restoring strength within them to, so they will stand up in strength. And we have seen thousands of girls and young women and mothers and madams of the brothels who have found new life in Christ Jesus. Our church in the red light district, hundreds of girls are night shelters. Now in 12 cities across India and three cities across Nepal and in Bangladesh and in Moldova and now ministry in Russia and the Ukraine and in areas where we are going in to help in the Middle East and in Europe and in Africa. Millions of girls are being trafficked all over the world. I don't have the time to go into the details of that tonight. But I came tonight to talk to you about what are you storing up in your heart? This is not just about girls who've been trafficked. It's about will of God in all of our lives. It's about God strengthening our own will. It's about God giving us purpose to live. It's about having a passion to change our planet and to change the lives of those who have been broken through the violence of this world. One little girl rescued out of the brothel in Bombay. Her mother died. She was seven years of age. She was part of our children's ministry in the red light district. She had come to Christ. When her mother died in the brothel, nobody claimed her. And our workers brought her to our home of hope and said, she's ours now. I became like her adopted uncle. Our doctor said, I don't think she will make it. Seven years in a brothel, disease, malnutrition, all that goes with it. He said, I don't think it's reversible. Every free moment, she would sit beside me, go to the prayer meeting, go to the service where I would preach, wrap her tiny little fingers around my little fingers, would walk down. The... Came time for me to leave. I took her arm. She felt like a feather. Her arms and legs, big as my finger, just a little Seven-year-old will never know who her father was. Her mother was dead. She had no future, and she was dying. I took her mom and said, Honey, Uncle David's got to go back to America, but I'll be back in a few weeks, and I'll see you then. Those big, dark eyes, she looked at me and said, No, Uncle David, 
I won't be here when you come back. Tears started down my face. She reached up a tiny little hand and pressed the tears off my cheek and said the greatest sermon I've ever heard. She said, don't worry about me, Uncle David. I've got Jesus, and he's all I need. I've got Jesus. No mother, no father, no future. I hugged her tightly, set her down on the floor, and walked out and got on the plane. As the plane flew out of that city, I was still crying. I said, God, there's a million little girls down there like her. But she says, I've got Jesus, and he's all I need. Every church I went to, I shared her story. And I asked people to pray for a miracle for that little girl. I confess I didn't have a lot of faith, and I'm embarrassed I didn't. I flew back to the city into India, stepped out of the airport. A large group had come to meet me, and suddenly a little girl broke loose from that crowd and became screaming down the sidewalk. Uncle David, she screamed. I swept her up in my arms and said the stupidest thing I've ever said. I said, honey, what are you doing here? You aren't supposed to be here. She looked at me almost reproachfully and said, Uncle David, Jesus has healed me. I am perfectly normal. I've been adopted by a Christian family. I have a new mother, and I have a father for the first time in my life. I told you I've got Jesus, and Jesus answers prayer. I stood there with a little girl in my arms who was no longer dying and no longer an orphan. Because somebody, Jesus has reached out his hand and a family reached out their hand. What is in your heart tonight? What are you storing up? You walked into Life Church with the Bible in your hand and with praise in your heart because you wanted to store up on Memorial Day weekend the word, the witness, and the presence of God. You are here to store up. And now you will go out this weekend and you will share what's in your hearts. And as I come and talk about India, and Pastor will talk about this in just a moment, there's a book that we're making available called Beyond the Sword Curtain, the brothels of Bombay and the stories of the girls who've been rescued and now have a new life in Christ Jesus. Last year, Project Rescue touched the lives of almost 20,000 girls who had been sold into sexual slavery and forced prostitution. And in the brief moments we have in this service, I can't go through many of the stories. I can only say one after the other, God has been restoring, redeeming, and transforming their lives. And I want to conclude this message with your words and with your hands. I want to say with your words, you establish salvation in your life. And with your hands, you bring freedom and liberation to those who desperately need redemption. There's a scripture, Ezekiel 36, 26, that I want to leave you with tonight. We'll put it on the screen. Ezekiel 36, 26. Would you say it with me? Say it with me. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you 
your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Thousands of girls in India, in Nepal, in Bangladesh, in the Middle East, in Europe, in Africa, and right here in the United States have been trafficked, raped, broken, beaten, hearts turned to stone, eyes that are dead. But God has reached out to rescue and restore and take out the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. There are people in this room tonight and they're watching by video that there's jagged places in your heart. I remember one of the teenage girls who was rescued out of the brothel in Bombay stood in our church and said, you can see the scars on my body, but you can't see the scars in my mind. The scars like jagged glass from the betrayal and all the violence. But God not only has washed my blood, but he has washed my memories. And I have been set free. Four years later, we put the young lady and helped her go through nursing school. And I stood at that same altar when she was married to a young minister who had come off the streets of Bombay out of drugs and gangs, and God had saved him. We helped send him to Bible college. He came back to Bombay and met this young nurse, and he said her past and my past are the same, but our future is good in Jesus Christ. Tonight, he wants to take out jagged memories in your mind broken places in your heart and give you a new heart, a new heart. And then he wants to use your hand to reach out to broken lives. I want you to do something with me. I want you to take your hand and lift it up and say, Lord Jesus, your hand is outstretched and I'm stretching my hand out toward yours. I need your touch. I need healing in my body. Healing in my family. Healing for my neighbors. Healing for my nation. And I stretch out my hand for that. Thank you that your healing hand is extended toward my prayer. Now lift your hand and make a fist out of it and say, this can bruise. Open your hand and say, or this can bless. Make a fist and say, this can hurt. Open your hand and say, or this can heal. Now stretch out your hands and pray with me this prayer. Lord Jesus, let my hand never bruise, never harm, but let this hand be a hand of healing a hand of blessing, a hand of deliverance through Jesus Christ. Would you put your hand right over your heart and pray this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, with my heart I believe, with my lips I confess, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and my Lord and Savior. Change my heart. Give me a heart for the broken in Jesus' name, hallelujah. In your hands is the power to change the future. 
of thousands of girls and even boys around the world. Pastor's going to talk to you tonight about your faith promise. Faith promise is not what we can do. It's what we ask God to do through us. A little five-year-old girl at a missions convention wrote on her faith promise, 25 cents a week. And she wrote beside it, my daddy will pay this for me. You see, anything I do in missions, it's because my father, my heavenly father, laid his hand on me as a little preacher's kid at 12 years of age and said, son, I want you to go to India. Grandson of Barbara Hudson, grandson of violence and domestic. I want you to go to India. And 42 years ago, I went to India. And today, I stretch out my hand with yours. And tonight, we're going to rescue, restore, and redeem some young, broken lives. And God's going to give them new hearts in Jesus Christ. Let's give God a hand clap. Pastor, come. <laughs> Praise God.